Thanks for joining me on this journey and welcome to the Journey with Jenny podcast on SM Enlightenment Radio or TV, where we hit all the topics that help and encourage you on this journey of life. Everything from health to mindset to business to finances, anything that helps you and makes your life better, we cover it all. Welcome to episode seven, where we are discussing the top 10 hidden ingredients that are sabotaging your health. So let me just start by giving you a quick overview. I feel like I need to back up a little bit and just tell you what we are not going to be doing. The key word here is hidden. So I think you know a lot about the big ones that I have mentioned many times. I mean, if you follow me at all, or if you are part of my Facebook group, journey with Jenny to Healthy Living, we took a, we talk a lot about the big ones, right? You know about gluten. In fact, we just did an episode on gluten. So if you missed it, go back and watch episode six. Um, and there's dairy and there's soy and there's sugar and there's salt too. So these are commonly heard ones and ones that you might actually be able to list if you were asked to, right? I think that they are coming on the scene pretty well. And it doesn't mean that we won't go back and visit them on other episodes. But then there's these other ones, these ones that are more hidden. They are hidden deep in the ingredients list, and you might not even realize that they are there. And those are the ones that I want to spotlight and highlight in this episode, okay? So let me ask you this. Have you ever heard the phrase that says to shop around the perimeter of the grocery store? Um, Because that is where the healthier foods are, right? Um, Well, there is something to that to some degree that the perimeter of the grocery store generally houses the fresh food, the produce, the perishables. And then the inside of the grocery store houses the boxed foods and the canned goods and the things that can last for years, right? And that's because they have preservatives in them. Um, They have things put into them to preserve them, right? For it to be able to last for a long, long, long time, some longer than others. Um, So, But the thing is, is do we really know what those things are? We in general assume that the preservatives are really not that great for us, right? So we just try to minimize them, maybe, maybe, um, if you're even thinking about that at all, um, that is what you might be thinking. But, But the question really is, what really is in these products and what is it that they are doing to our bodies, okay? So I just want to say one more overall general comment before diving into these things. Um, The other thing is we have heard a lot about all kinds of illnesses and cancers and sicknesses and medical diagnoses and allergies and asthma in recent years. And what is causing all of this? Well, I'm not going to speculate on that in this episode. Um, Maybe that's for a later one. I don't know. We'll see. Um, But don't you find it curious that we have all of these foods with all of these preservatives and questionable ingredients in them? And the thing is that they are doing something to our bodies. They are getting into our bodies. They are building up in our bodies. And then they're showing up in interesting ways. Um, I'll let you be the judge of that. I'm simply here to alert you and draw attention to what is in the products um, that you are commonly eating that are available to you um, in the grocery store that you might be 
feeding to your children. You might be feeding to your grandchildren. You might be feeding to your family, eating yourself. Um, and I would just let you make the decision for yourself. Okay. So I'm simply here to share just 10. And these are only 10, you guys. I'm just sharing 10 hidden ingredients for you to be aware of and have an understanding that there's so, so many more. This is just scratching the surface. But I wanted to say those things to just kind of give a preface before we dive in. Okay. So with that said, let's go to ingredient number one, which is high fructose corn syrup or HFCS, high fructose corn syrup. Okay. High fructose corn syrup is an ingredient that you'll find in a lot, a lot of processed foods. So this is a sweetener that is made from cornstarch and has been treated with enzymes to convert some of the glucose into fructose, okay? So high fructose corn syrup is cheaper to use and sweeter than regular sugar. So it's used in a lot of products, including soda that you just saw that picture. So if you're just listening, you're missing the pictures. So you'll want to catch us on YouTube there. But so it's in soda, hugely in soda. It's in fruit flavored drinks. It's in cereal. It's in baked good, goods. It's in condiments. Okay. So to just clarify a little bit more. So there's some baked goods, things we're so used to eating. All right. So to clarify, high fructose corn syrup generally comes in two common forms. Okay. HFCS 42 contains 42% fructose and is commonly used in canned fruits, ice cream, desserts, and other sweetened processed foods. And then HFCS 55 contains 55% fructose and is commonly used in soft drinks. So some types of HFCS can contain even more fructose than that, okay? So unfortunately, the problem is it's been linked to obesity and to other health problems because of its propensity to increase inflammation. There is a keyword that I have talked a lot about and a lot of other things as well. So inflammation is something you do not want to have more of in your body. All right, so this high fructose corn syrup is loaded with unbound fructose and glucose molecules. Studies have shown that the reactive carbonyl molecules can cause tissue damage that may lead to obesity, diabetes, and also heart disease. And high fructose um, corn syrup increases your risk of fatty liver disease. This stuff contains no essential vitamins or nutrients, rather, none whatsoever. And it is made from genetically modified corn. So that's a whole nother thing there, but it's made from genetically modified corn and processed with genetically modified enzymes. All right. So to make matters worse, studies have also revealed recently that nearly half of the tested samples of high fructose corn syrup contained mercury. Okay. So I want to dive in just a little bit more into high fructose corn syrup to let you just kind of paint the picture. If you're not very familiar with it, this might be one that you are more familiar with that you've kind of heard the buzzword and you're kind of familiar ish with it, but I want to give you a little bit of the history as well with it. So it's interesting because since its production was streamlined in the late 1960s, high fructose corn syrup has become the most common added sweetener in processed foods and beverages. It is substantially cheaper than sucrose, like I mentioned before. It has a long shelf life, so there's the preservative factor that we talked about right at the top of this, and it mixes well with a variety of products. So in fact, between 1970 and 1990, okay, so I'm probably talking to a lot of people that were growing up during that time, the annual consumption of high fructose corn syrup increased by more than 1,000%. 
1000%, greatly exceeding the change in intake of any other food or food group. Guys, that's substantial. That's huge in a 20 year period to have this consumption increase 1000%, okay? So it appears to be no coincidence that the increased use of high fructose corn syrup in processed foods has correlated with sharp rises in obesity and diabetes. Many experts believe that high fructose corn syrup plays a key role in our current metabolic health crises, okay? That's so, so, so important to see that link. High fructose corn syrup contains the same number of calories as regular sugar, but they are not chemically the same. So I think this kind of helps you see the whole thing. Well, I'm eating X number of calories. Like why aren't I losing weight? Well, here's one of the reasons research suggests that high fructose corn syrup has grimmer health consequences than the already negative effects of eating refined sugar. So it's not to say that refined sugar is good for you, but oh my goodness, high fructose corn syrup is even worse. The comparatively high fructose corn syrup content um, or the high fructose content in high fructose corn syrup is a major factor in the dangers of it. Although fructose is natural for most of human history, we consume no more than about 15 grams, approximately one half of an ounce of fructose per day, mostly from fruits and vegetables. Okay, that's a good thing. One 12 ounce can of soda contains approximately 23 grams of fructose. So in one thing of soda, you have way more than the total amount of fructose that we typically were consuming in an entire day, okay? Fructose is metabolized differently from glucose. Glucose can be metabolized in every cell in the body, but all fructose must be metabolized in the liver where it is converted to fatty acids by the liver at a faster rate. So the livers of test animals that were fed large amounts of fructose have been observed developing fatty deposits of cirrhosis similar to problems found in the livers of alcoholics, okay? That's a crazy connection. Fructose consumption does not contain an insulin response as other types of sugars do or does not cause an insulin response. So this has a profound impact on satiety and appetite that may lead to overeating, hence the connection to diabetes there, okay? So listen, Researchers at Princeton University have recently proven that high fructose corn syrup causes weight gain, okay? So those of you who are trying to lose weight and are eating lots of high fructose corn syrup, time out, okay? They discovered at Princeton University that rats that had access to high fructose corn syrup gained significantly more weight than those with access to basic table sugar, even when their overall caloric intake was the same. The weight gain included substantial increases in abdominal fat and circulating triglycerides, both known risk factors in high blood pressure, coronary artery disease, cancer, and diabetes. Okay? Not good things. Okay, listen to this as well. High fructose corn syrup may also contribute to other adverse health effects such as hypertension, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, excess uric acid levels associated with gout, and elevated levels of advanced glycation end products, which are linked with aging and complications of diabetes. All right? High fructose corn syrup harms the brain as well as the body. One study out of the University of California, Los Angeles, found that consuming high fructose corn syrup can actually destroy memory, slow mental function, and ultimately deteriorate brain performance in rats. 
And then on top of all of this, detectable levels of mercury have been found in some samples of high fructose corn syrup. One study by the Institute of Agriculture and Trade Policy, a nonprofit watchdog group, found that nearly one third of 55 brand name processed foods contained mercury. The toxic metal was, metal was found most commonly in high fructose corn syrup containing dairy products, dressings, and condiments. Okay. So that is high fructose corn syrup. That's just our number one. That's just the first thing. So that's high fructose corn syrup. Okay. So an ingredient that you want to pay attention to, um, if it's in the foods that you are consuming. All right. So let's go on to product or ingredient number two. Ingredient number two is MSG. And the information I'm going to share here, um, I am using info from Hearts for Health blog that was helpful with a lot of great information. So MSG, what is it? MSG or monosodium glutamate is a byproduct of protein manufacturing. So again, processing. That's a key thing in all of these things. They are processed, all right? They're not natural. So through chemical processing, the glutamic acid is broken off of protein. It's bound to a sodium molecule, purified into a white powder, and then added to foods to make them taste absolutely amazing. Amazing. But the thing is, MSG can kill cells within the brain by exciting them to death. And that is why it is referred to as an excitotoxin, okay? So MSG has a cumulative effect and has been linked to numerous health conditions like metabolic syndrome, Parkinson's, and other brain and nervous issues, all right? So some things you might feel right away after you have MSG or a product that has MSG in it. Some of those things could include brain fog, tingling, headaches and migraines, lethargy, numbness, shortness of breath, and panic shortly after consumption of it, which would be usually within three to 24 hours of having it. Some people are more sensitive than others. It seems that the severity of the symptoms after exposure is often related to the health and permeability of a person's intestinal wall. Gut health. You guys, the rate of leaky gut in our society is ever increasing, making many people very sensitive to this toxin. So that is a whole nother topic, one I think we will probably dive into another time because that is one of my favorite topics is talking about gut health. And there is so much emerging research on it. Um, you're seeing places pop up all over the place, gut health institutes. And there's a reason for that because we have been killing our guts by the things that are in the foods that we are eating. And that is why different people react to different things like, well, I'm fine when I eat this, I'm fine when I eat this, because we have eaten different things and we have let certain things happen to our bodies. All right. So back to MSG. Where can you find MSG? Well, so here's the tricky thing. And it's not as simple as looking on the label, which is a common theme you will see here through all of these. Um, yes, you can look for MSG. Um, and so you want to avoid that. But the thing is, the FDA only requires MSG to be labeled if the added ingredient is 99% pure MSG. So that means that at this time, there are over 40 ingredients that contain MSG, but they don't require a label. They don't require being on the label. So what are some common things that you want to look for? What are some common byproducts of MSG? Um, so in other words, what are you looking for on the label? Okay. So here are things that when you're looking at labels at the grocery store, these things contain MSG. If it says glutamate, anything hydrolyzed or any hydrolyzed protein, 
yeast extract, yeast extract, autolyzed yeast, gelatin, texturized protein, whey protein from concentrate and isolate, soy protein from concentrate and isolate, soy sauce and extract, carrageenan, annatto, boyan stock chicken and meat flavor, natural flavors, flavoring, seasoning, enzymes, maltodextrin, citric acid, anything ultra pasteurized. So this is not an exhaustive list. It's just a start. You can consult Truth and Labeling Campaign for more information about that. Um, so here's a list of foods that often contain MSG. So here's ones that you want to be on high alert for, okay? Salad dressings and sauces, nuggets, fish sticks, and sausages, store-bought broth and bouillon, Seasonings, especially mixes like ranch or taco. Um, Boy, Lari's brand contains yeast extract, chips and sweets, all fast food. Sorry, guys. It's probably isn't going to be a very popular episode. Uh, vegan foods, you need to be careful about that. Uh, protein powders <laughs> and meal replacement shakes, baby food and formula. Okay. I know, I know like all these, like, yeah, you got it. So just, this is an awareness episode, like be aware of what is in your products, be aware of the foods that you're eating and really what the ingredients are. Okay. So that was number two. MSG was number two. All right. Moving on to number three, number three is trans fat. All right. So trans fats are simply undesirable. They are deadly. They are highly associated with heart disease and insulin resistant. Trans fats are just bad news. And the reason that trans fats are so bad is it raises the bad cholesterol in the bloodstream and is therefore a leading factor in the cause for heart disease. Okay. So also you guys be aware that there's a loophole in manufacturing where if a product contains less than 0.5% of a nutrient per serving, the nutrient doesn't have to be listed on the label. So therefore, it's a possibility that there's still trans fat in your food or your child's food or the food you're eating your family. And in fact, food companies understand these loopholes and they use them frequently. So here's the thing. Trans fats are cheaper. There is another theme. And they have a longer shelf life than their counterparts. They're great for manufacturers, but they're not so great for consumers, okay? So here's the silver lining. There's a way to read the ingredients labels to find out for sure if the food you are buying has trans fats in it, okay? So there's several ingredients that you'll be able to recognize that will always have this form of bad fat, all right? So if the food label has partially hydrogenated oil in it, it has trans fat. Um, foods that commonly contain partially hydrogenated oils are baked goods, fried foods, snacks, and creamer, and margarine. Um, avoid any products with these listings, okay? Partially hydrogenated, fractionated, shortening, hydrogenated. Um, some trans fats are mislabeled as hydrogenated, but fully hydrogenated oil is not considered a trans fat. So just um, just notice that. And pro tip too, like if it is listed higher up in the ingredient list, that means there's more of it in the product. So be aware of that as well. I'll never forget the first time that I really kind of was alerted to this and heard this. I was actually in grad school 
and my professor's daughter was handing out cookies to everyone. And she was saying, she, I mean, she was probably seven or eight years old and she's walking around. She's like, well, they, they have partially hydrogenated oil in them. They have part, like, she didn't even get the words out, but like, she was very clear what she was saying. I'm like partially hydrogenated oil, like they're cookies from the grocery store. I'm like, whatever. So like, it's very common not to understand, or you might hear it, but not really understand what, what is it really doing to your health? What is it adding up to inside your body? Okay. So in order to reduce trans fats, many leading uh, food manufacturers have switched to palm oil. So palm oil may have no trans fats in it, but it does have saturated fat in it. Saturated fat is another fat that you should try to have at a minimum. Um, the American Heart Association recommends that you limit the amount of saturated fat that you eat to less than 7% of your total caloric intake. So the foods that are most likely to contain trans fats include margarine, breads, baked goods, vegetable shortening, crackers, cookies, chips, and salad dressing, okay? So that's a little rundown on trans fats, all right? So that was number four, trans fats, okay? Number, or I'm sorry, that was number three. Uh, number four, I think we can try to sneak this in before the break. Let's see if we can do it. Okay. So number four is diacetyl. All right. So diacetyl is a chemical used as an artificial food flavoring. It is often used to add flavor to candy, popcorn, and baked goods. Diacetyl is a food additive that is used to give foods a buttery flavor. So there you see our microwave popcorn. Okay. So very, very, very common in that. Diacetyl has been linked to lung disease in factory workers who are exposed to it, okay? So that brings up popcorn lung. What is popcorn lung? Have you ever heard that phrase before? I just asked someone just not too long ago. So popcorn lung, yes, and it's from that stuff that is up on the screen. So bronchiolitis obliterans, nicknamed popcorn lung, is a rare disease in which the lungs airways become stiff and scarred. Popcorn lung got its nickname after a notable outbreak in the late 1990s and early 2000s. So you might remember this. So in this instance, workers at a microwave popcorn factories developed the disease after breathing in diacetyl. The chemical was used heavily in these factories to make microwavable popcorn taste more buttery. Okay. So that is what popcorn lung is. And it's from this ingredient. So a 2019 study from Harvard found that inhaling diacetyl could damage cilia function in the lungs. Decreased cilia function has been associated with asthma and chronic obstructive pulmonary disease or COPD. Okay. So that's one of the main places where diacetyl is. And there's another key place that I want to share with you that could make a difference in people that you know, people that you love. Okay. Diacetyl is also present in many e-cigarettes sold in the United States. The chemical is used in e-cigarettes for the same reason that it's used in food. It's for flavoring. Diacetyl allows vaping companies to offer fruit, candy, and dessert flavors, especially flavors that are especially appealing to young people. So the thing is, though, if inhaled, diacetyl may cause permanent lung damage and scarring. Inhaling diacetyl was proven to cause popcorn lung in factory workers in 2002 by NIOSH. In a 2015 Harvard study, over 75% of flavored vapes were that were studied contained diacetyl. 
Diacetyl was banned from bait products sold in the European Union in 2016, and other flavoring chemicals used in bait products like acetoin and acetylpropanol may also contain or may also cause damage to the lungs. Okay. So just some quick little things about those two things that I just said. So these diacetyl substitutes that may be in vape products include the acetoin. According to the U.S. National Laboratory of Medicine, this chemical chemical can contribute to respiratory issues after prolonged inhalation. And the second one, acetylpropanol, a 2012 study in the Journal of Toxicologic Pathology showed that inhaling this chemical in high doses caused lung damage, respiratory tract infection, and death in rats. Okay. So those are things that are in vaping products. So not things that we want to be inhaling, not things that we want our kids to be inhaling either. Okay. All right. So we got through four. Um, We will uh, continue on with number five in the next section. So thanks for joining me here on Journey with Jenny and on um, SM Enlightenment Radio and TV. I'll be right back. Welcome back to Journey with Jenny on SM Enlightenment Radio or TV and the Journey with Jenny podcast. I'm Jenny, and we have been discussing hidden ingredients in our foods that are sabotaging our health. Okay, so we are on to number five, and that is sodium nitrate, all right? So sodium nitrate, this is added to processed meats to stop bacterial growth, okay? So it is linked to cancer in humans. Multiple studies have connected sodium nitrate consumption to cancer, higher risks of neurological illnesses, and heart disease. And PSA, this additive is approved by the FDA. So just to reiterate, sodium nitrate has been connected to an increased risk of Alzheimer's disease, cancers, and Parkinson's disease. And by the way, we've heard those earlier. If you were paying attention, your ears might perk up to that. You might hear several different diseases that a lot of these contribute to um, similar ones, okay? So medicinenet.com tells us these things. So if this is sodium nitrate is exposed to extreme heat or a highly acidic environment, sodium nitrate, like sodium nitrite, can change into nitrosamine in the body. And nitrosamine is a known carcinogen. So this is how we know that it is cancer-causing, okay? And so these things, like I said, these things are in your processed meats, your pepperonis, your sausages, like hot dogs, like these kinds of things, the processed meats, all right? According to a study published in the World Journal of Gastroenterology, sodium nitrate transformed into nitrosamines that are transformed into that can cause gastric cancer. Sodium nitrate has also been proven to have a detrimental effect on oxygen circulation in the blood, which can lead to methomeg... I can't even pronounce this stuff, guys. Like It can lead to some really bad stuff. Methomeglobinemia. 
And basically what it is, is an inefficient oxygen circulation condition, okay? So like oxygen circulating in your blood, pretty important stuff, and this can limit that, okay? Inhalation of excessive sodium nitrate irritates the respiratory tract, which symptoms may include coughing, shortness of breath. We talked about breathing issues in the very end of the first section when we were talking about diacetyl. So these things are all very interconnected. Um, ingestion of excessive sodium nitrate may cause these following things, gastroenteritis, abdominal pain, dizziness, headache, mental impairment, blood with loose stools, convulsions and collapse, vomiting, kidney abnormalities, and there have been a few reports of nitrates being transformed into the more hazardous nitrites, mostly in babies, okay? So all of these things you don't want, skin and eye contact cause redness, itching, and pain. So if there's a chronic exposure to sodium nitrate, um, in some cases, that really long word that I said earlier, the methemoglobinemia, develops in people when nitrite, it, nitrate is converted into nitrite by bacteria in the stomach. So that's the gut, again, that we were talking about. This conversion can cause nausea, vomiting, dizziness, rapid heartbeat, erratic breathing, convulsions, coma, and death. Okay, so aggravation of pre-existing conditions in patients with a history of kidney or lung disease. These patients could be more susceptible to the effects of this substance. So there's another common theme that we talked about with one of the other ingredients. The way that this affects your body can be different from your neighbor because of the condition of your gut, because the condition of your kidneys, because the condition of your lungs, because the condition of your different body parts, depending on what you have experienced in your body in your life. Okay. So with given all this, why is it still used? Well, it's used in cured and processed meats. Um, sodium nitrate helps prevent the growth of disease carrying bacteria, which can cause botulism and listeria. Sodium nitrate is even an ingredient in mouthwashes because it can help alleviate dental irritation. And also, fun fact, to kill rodents, sodium nitrate is used in fumigation. Isn't that a fun fact? So how to reduce sodium nitrate, okay? So if you are interested in reducing the intake of this, do so by reducing your intake of processed meat and foods, such as hot dogs, jerky, sausage, and cold cuts. Examine labels carefully. That's the whole theme of this. Read your labels and know what you're reading, okay? To avoid containing sodium or potassium nitrates or nitrites. I have been in this habit for quite a while now. I look through and if I see nitrite or nitrate, I do not purchase it. Um, choose to consume organic foods. Determine whether the water contains nitrates or nitrites. Consume an antioxidant-rich diet. So those are all things that can be helpful to helping reduce the sodium nitrate, okay? So that was number five. Moving on to number six hidden ingredient that is sabotaging our health is titanium dioxide. Okay, what is titanium dioxide, you ask? I'm so glad you asked. Okay, this is what it is. Titanium dioxide is used for thickening, whitening, and lubricating products, all right? And it's also pretty cheap to use. There's another theme. Gosh, I should have a running list of all these themes that are keep coming up in every ingredient that we're talking about. So 
it's very cheap to use, which is why so many companies use it. So interestingly enough, in the mid 20th century, titanium dioxide started replacing toxic lead based pigments and is now widely found in foods, vitamins, coffee creamers, chewing gum, candies, pastries, chocolates, cake decoration, all the cake decoration that you want to do. It's in sunscreen. It's in toothpaste. It's in personal products. It's in cosmetics. It's in plastics. It's in paper. Okay. In the cosmetics industry, many companies use titanium dioxide as an aesthetic whitener to make a product seem more pure or more visually appealing. So interestingly enough, it was used by Dunkin' Donuts to make the white powdered sugar donuts appear whiter. They have since removed it. So kudos to Dunkin' Donuts for taking that out. Um, but it is currently used by Pop-Tarts to make the white icing nice and bright and seem more appealing. So that's the type of things that is it is in. So there's you're seeing the Pop-Tarts, like you're missing it if you're just listening. So definitely check out on the YouTube channel. So this is what titanium dioxide is. It is also found on some food packaging. Um, it's purposely put on the food packaging to preserve the shelf life of the product. So packaging that is contains this additive has been shown to decrease ethylene production in fruit, thus delaying the ripening process and prolonging shelf life, okay? So furthermore, this packaging has been shown to have both antibacterial and photocatalytic activity, the latter of which reduces ultraviolet exposure, okay? But here's the catch, you guys. They don't list the packaging on the ingredients list, but they just might be showing up as hidden ingredients in the food. So researchers studying the pancreas have found a significantly higher concentration of titanium dioxide crystals in the pancreatic tissues of people with type 2 diabetes, okay? So there's a thing too, like, I, I mean, it's so tricky. I talked about this actually in the gluten episode, like what's lining the bags, the products, those aren't even listed as ingredients. So do you really know what is in and on your products that you are eating, your foods that you are eating? One test that was completed by the Canadian Center of Occupational Health and Safety concluded that titanium dioxide may be a human carcinogen. It's been linked to cancer, allergies, and organ system toxicity, okay? So it's been linked to cell damage and cardiovascular issues, all right? So to avoid it and other harmful fillers, always check out the other ingredients section and avoid products with things like phthalates, magnesium stearate, or silicone dioxide, okay? So those are some other words, ingredients that you can look for. So phthalates, magnesium stearate, or silicone dioxide, you want to... Um, avoid those as well. All right. So I do want to point out that we mentioned one product early on that list of things that titanium dioxide is in that is not necessarily generally considered to be a bad thing for it to be in. And um, that is sunscreen. So titanium dioxide is commonly in sunscreen and is found to be a stable compound that provides broad spectrum UVA and UVB protection. Available studies uh, consistently show very little or zero penetration of intact skin by this compound. So it obviously depends on the size 
um, of the particle. So that said, nanoparticles of titanium dioxide are extremely harmful. When titanium dioxide is micron, um, if I can say that, micronized, micronized, um, it no longer blocks the bad rays, but instead is absorbed by the body. So that means avoid spray sunscreens, okay? Because spray sunscreens typically have nano, um, nano ionized particles and can be inhaled. And that's what you don't want to have. Okay. So I have a couple of warnings that I want to read about titanium dioxide. I want to share with you. So even though the Food and Drug Administration, the FDI, categorizes titanium dioxide as generally recognized as safe or gross, other organizations have issued warnings about this. So for example, the European Safe Food Safety Authority has concluded that titanium dioxide should not be considered safe as a food additive due to uncertainties about possible inflammation and neurotoxicity, okay? Remember, this is in Pop-Tarts right now on the shelves. The Scientific Committee of Consumer Safety warns against sprayable products and powders that may expose users' lungs to titanium dioxide through inhalation, what I just shared with you about the spray sunscreen. The International Agency of Research on Cancer has listed titanium dioxide as a group 2B carcinogen, an agent that may be carcinogenic but lacks sufficient animal and human research. This has caused concern for its safety in food products, okay? Um, so just be aware of this. The thing is, my question is, do you want to be the study? Do you want to wait for the study in 20 years and find out, oh yeah, that is cancer causing. Like, look, we just found out that you got cancer because of it. I mean, really, there's enough warning signs here. So I am letting you know what these ingredients are, why they're in your food and what they do to you. Okay, moving on to number seven. Hopefully we don't run out of time. So BHT, which is butylated hydroxytoluene. Guys, I can't even pronounce these things. I mean, doesn't that tell you? I'm sure you've heard the phrase like, you know, if you can't pronounce the ingredients, like, do you really want to be eating them? And this, we're only on number seven, you guys. Okay, so BHT is much easier to say that. BHT is a lab-created chemical that's used to preserve freshness in food. Okay, so there's more common themes, lab created. These are not natural. A fat preservative used in foods to extend shelf life. This common additive used to prevent oxidation in a wide variety of foods and cosmetics. It is linked to cancerous tumor growth and is listed by the National Toxicology Program in 2005 as, quote, reasonably anticipated to be a human carcinogen, end quote, on the basis of experimental findings in animals. It is also used, guys, Okay, BHT, this food preservative. Listen, it is also used in jet fuels, rubber petroleum products, transformer oil, and drum roll, please, embalming fluid. Guys, this is in our food. Oh my gosh. As if this were not enough, the material safety data sheet. I know I was waiting for that. Thank you, Doc. I was like, really? Like embalming fluid, you guys. Oh my goodness. So if this were not enough, the material safety data sheet warns that BHT should not be allowed to enter the environment. Huh? It can cause liver damage and is harmful to aquatic organisms. All right, you guys. So BHT is found in packaged meat products, soup mixes, mayonnaise, frozen meals, dry yeast, desserts, beverages, dressings, sausages, or sauces, I'm sorry, 
and sandwich spreads, as well as numerous potato items, such as like dehydrated potato shreds, potato flakes, and potato granules, okay? So that's BHT. All right, moving on to number eight, food color additives. Almost all colorants approved for use in food are derived from, there's a cute picture, you see it, you know you've used them. Almost all food color, are you ready for this? They are derived from coal tar. You heard me right, coal tar. And may contain up to 10 parts per million of lead and arsenic. Also, and not surprisingly, most coal tar colors could potentially cause cancer. Found in brightly colored candy, juices, cereal, and sauces are where these are found, okay? So I want to share, I'm going to run down the different colors and just tell you, this is from the MPH programs list. Um, I'm going to tell you the color and you, you know, you see these, look for them in your ingredients, um, and what they do. Okay. So we'll start with the biggest one. I'm sure you've heard of it. Red number 40. Okay. Red dye 40 found in many food colors to alter the color, many foods to alter the color. All modern food dyes are derived from petroleum, which I already mentioned a carcinogen that is linked to cancer in some studies also can cause hyperactivity in children. That's a big one. Food dyes have also been linked to ADHD and other behavioral problems in children, okay? And it is banned, red 40 is banned in some European countries, all right? Blue number one, used in bakery products, candy and soft drinks can damage chromosomes and lead to cancer. Blue number two, used in candy and pet food beverages can cause brain tumors. Citrus red number one, sprayed on oranges to make them look ripe. It can damage chromosomes and lead to, can lead to cancer. Citrus red number two, used to color oranges, can cause cancer if you eat the peel. Green number three, used in candy and beverages, may cause bladder tumors. Yellow number five, used in desserts, candy, and baked goods, thought to cause kidney tumors according to some studies. Yellow number six, a carcinogen used in sausage, beverages, and baked goods, thought to cause kidney tumors, according to some studies. Red number two, a food coloring that may cause both asthma and cancer. Red number three, a carcinogen that is added to cherry pie filling, ice cream, and baked goods, may cause nerve damage and thyroid cancer. Caramel coloring, in soft drinks, sauces, pastries, and breads. When made with ammonia, it can cause cancer in mice. Food companies are not required to disclose of this ingredient um, if it is made with ammonia. Brown HT, used in many packaged foods, it can cause hyperactivity in children, asthma, and cancer. Orange B, a food dye that is used in hot dog and sausage casings. High doses are bad for the liver and bile duct. Bixen, food coloring that can cause hyperactivity in children and asthma. Norbixen, food coloring that can cause hyperactivity in children and asthma. Anato, food coloring that can cause hyperactivity in children and asthma, all right? That's my food color additive list. Okay, moving on to number nine, propylene glycol alginate, or known as E405, okay? This one, ladies and gents, better known as antifreeze. You heard me correctly, antifreeze. So, Propylene glycol is used, it thickens dairy products and salad dressings. It's a colorless com um, compound that does not occur in nature. There's another theme. Propylene glycol is defined as an anti-caking agent by the FDA. 
It's used in foods like soft drinks, marinades, dressings, seasonings, baked goods, frostings, and frozen dairy products, just to name a few that's not exhaustive, in order to preserve texture, especially to keep foods moist and from drying out and acts as a solvent for flavors and colors. So it is deemed generally safe by the FDA. Um, so just bear in mind, you guys, okay, like what I said in the beginning, that even though propylene glycol is used as a food additive, it has in many industri it has many industrial uses, including automotive antifreeze, ice packs, and airport runway de-icers. You guys, I was just on a plane recently and I watched them spray the de-icing stuff, the orange stuff and then the green stuff. Like, yeah, that is propylene glycol. Okay, moving on. That was number nine. And number 10, we're gonna do it. We're gonna get there. Number 10 is polysorbate 60. Short for, and guys, here's another one I can't even pronounce, polyoxyethylene. 20 sorbitan monosterate. That's what it's short for, polysorbate 60. This is an emulsifier that is used widely in the food industry. It's made of corn, palm oil, and petroleum. This gooey mix can't spoil, so it often replaces dairy products, or so it often replaces dairy products in baked goods and other liquid products. Okay. So polysorbate 60 is used in imitation cream, baked goods, and frozen desserts. It works in a similar manner as monoglycerides and diglycerides, but requires smaller amounts of it. So polysorbate 60 helps whiteners dissolve in coffee, keeps dill oil solubilized in dill pickle jars, prevents baked goods from going stale, and prevents oil from de- Sabulizing in artificial whipped cream. Polysorbate 60 is well known as an additive in the popular snack cakes, Twinkies. Okay. Um, but just a side note, when looking it up, it, the first things that were popping up were in skincare and cosmetics. Those are the most prevalent things that were coming up, but yet it is in our food. So the FDA designated the chemical as safe for limited use in food. According to the Environmental Canada Domestic Substance List, polysorbate 60 is not suspected as an environmental toxin. Okay, okay. So just listen to these specifics, guys. I mean, really here. So the FDA specifics. According to the FDA, polysorbate 60 may not exceed 0.61% of cake mix when used alone or with polysorbate 65. And the total percent of all polysorbates may not exceed 0.66% when used for confectionery coating or cacao products. It may not exceed 1% of the total weight product. I mean, seriously, people, like really? They're gambling with your health. Like it is, it is crazy to me when you have to parse that much, like at the bottom line, like, is it good for me? What's it doing to my body? And that is exactly the whole point of this episode is to merely educate you, let you know, these are just the top 10. This is not everything. And I know it was a lot of information. Maybe it was heavy on the information. You can let me know what you think. Um, if you want it to be a little bit less information, cover more of the um, actual ingredients. Um, but guys, I just want to remind you that this, the whole point of this, this is such a, an important conversation. You've heard the echoes of it already throughout the conversation that it is not regulated well. Our food is not regulated well. According to the National Resources Defensive Council, food manufacturers are taking advantage 
of a legal loophole, remember we talked about that earlier, which allows the manufacturers to use new chemicals in their products based on their own safety studies. You guys, you have to watch who is doing these studies. 56 companies were identified by the NRDC and found responsible for marketing products using 275 chemicals without disclosing this information to the FDA. Okay, so the FDA, FDA doesn't know about it, so it's clearly not on your labels. The hired experts for these companies decided that these chemicals met federal standards known as generally recognized as safe or GRAS. So when you see GRAS on something, that's what it means. They just said, oh, we just generally recognize it as safe. So you guys, that is why it is upon us. It is upon you. It is upon me. It is upon us as the consumer to be aware, which is why I am doing this podcast, okay, to help you be aware and to be educated, okay? So that is my point. I hope this has been educating to you. Please let me know what you think. Please let me know if it is helpful, um, what difference it is making in your life. Let me know. I'm on Instagram at Jenny Hardy and um, just send me a message there. Let me know your thoughts. Let me know if it is helpful and educational to you. So that's what I've got. You are educated, so go now and pay attention. That's a wrap. Thanks so much for joining me on SM Enlightenment Radio or TV or joining us on the Journey with Jenny podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please download my podcast and leave a five-star rating and review. It really does help, and I would be so grateful. I'm Jenny. Have a good one.